Well, hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and we are coming to you live from Bold Brave Media and TuneIn Radio. And I truly mean that when I say thank you for being here. Uh, Like you, I am a parent of a child who was once diagnosed with autism, and I was told to drug him and try behavioral therapies. And my holistic background told me that I believed something could be done for my child. I didn't want to just drug him and and just act like that was all there was that could be done. So I went on my own journey, and now over a decade later, my son has fully recovered from his symptoms of autism, and it is due to the natural resources that I found uh, that uh, and utilized. So by your being here and being a proactive parent, you are doing the same thing. You are finding the resources that you need to recover your child from their symptoms of autism. And the definition of recovery is to regain health, and we want to make sure our kids are as healthy as they can be because a lot of the kids aren't healthy and as happy as they can be because they deserve to have fulfilling lives. And uh, my son today lives away on his own at college. He's happy, he's healthy, and you know, and and I'm I'm wanting that for you, you and your your family, your children. And I have a free online workshop I want to make sure that you know about called the four stages to naturally recover from the symptoms of autism. And the stage one is healing the gut. Stage two is natural heavy metal detoxification. Stage three is clearing the co-infections. You know, the mold, the Lyme, the strep. And then stage four is brain support and repair. And you can register for that free workshop right now at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop, no spaces, just free workshop. So that is available to you. I want to make sure you have all the pieces that you need and understand what needs to be done to get the optimum results. And today's show, I'm very excited about, we are talking about electromagnetic field pollution or electromagnetic field radiation. So during the show, we'll probably uh, use the terms EMFs or EMR because um, that's usually the shortcuts you'll hear a lot of people talk about EMFs. So we're talking about electromagnetic field radiation or, or pollution and how detrimental it can be to our health and can prevent uh, optimum recovery in child symptoms from autism. And we have Peter Sullivan here with us today, who is an expert in the electromagnetic field pollution. He's the founder and CEO of Clearlight Ventures Incorporated, as well as an environmental health funder who focuses on toxins and wireless safety. He has spent the last 15 years successfully recovering his own two sons from autism, sensory issues, and recovered from his own environmental health issues. Peter's work on detoxification and EMFs have been featured in the book Toxin Talks Out, the book The Out-of-Sync Child Grows Up, Mother Jones Magazine, Paleo Magazine, CNN's Morgan Spurlock, The Inside Man. He is the executive producer of the documentary Generation Zapped about the health effects of wireless and co-executive producer of the film The Devil We Know About Teflon Pollution. Peter serves as a board advisor to purehealthpollution.org and the International Institute for Building Biology Ecology. Previously, he worked as a software designer, making software easier to use 
at Netflix Incorporated, Interwoven Incorporated, Excited Home, and Silicon Graphics. He also served as an executive officer and pilot in the United States Navy. He has a bachelor's in psychology from the University of Detroit and a master's in science in computer science from Stanford University. So, Peter, thank you so much for being here today. I know that you're an expert in this subject. We met a long time ago now at the Autism One Conference, and I remember you have this entire room set up in inside of the uh, of the hotel where the conference was, and you're having people come come in to help educate them and feel the differences for themselves being in the room that you created that was blocking out the Wi-Fi and um, all of the electromagnetic field. And so, um, so, you know, I know can, you can explain that a little bit um, more to, uh, to our listeners, but, uh, but yeah, I appreciate you being here and all of your expertise. So thank you so much. No problem, Carrie. It was, it was great to meet you at Autism One and, um, keep seeing you every year. And um, yeah, this year we, we keep simplifying the process with the tent. So um, I, you know, the EMF thing is so tricky. I, you know, especially in Silicon Valley, I had assumed that this stuff was all safe and well tested and anybody who talked about this as dangerous or whatever, was just, you know, not, not grounded in science. It turns out to be completely the opposite. Um, there's a lot of science on this, actually over 22,000 studies and thousands of them show harm. Uh, and, uh, and Martha Herbert even went through, who was a Harvard autism researcher, I asked her to look at some of the research, and she went through and wrote an interesting paper called Autism and EMS, and the plausibility of a pathological um, you know, link. She basically said, well, the known issues of autism match known symptoms of EMF exposure. And you know, certainly not saying that that's the only factor, but it certainly should be looked at. So especially like the blood-brain barrier breach and the issues that the one that really concerns me most is the DNA damage. So we know in autism we have, you know, de novo mutations and we're really concerned about um, cell phone in the pocket with, with dads. So, um, so basically we had all the science and, and it's been out there for a while. Um, and it's, and we're trying to really compete with people's addiction and passion for their personal technology, which I was a part of that experience. I wanted people to be, love their technology. Um, so I'm part of the problem, but I'm also going to try to be part of the solution here. So um, from my perspective, um, you know, the science was there. People didn't want to look at it. It was literally willful ignorance. So I, I learned that I could get almost everyone. I would get, and I still consistently get about 85 to 95% of people to feel some EMF effect. Um, at my at my office here in um, in Silicon Valley, or when we bring the little t- the tent to the conference or wherever you know whatever other place we bring it to, we set this tent up. It's now been simplified. It's a little ten by ten tent. I can set it up in about fifteen or twenty minutes, and you know we can fit about ten or twelve people in there, and we all just sit. People sit down, and and I like to have people. They come in and they they turn their phones off or their fitness trackers or what anything wireless they've got on them, and they immediately go inside, and we show them a meter. And we say, here's the level outside, which can be something like 3,000 microwatts or something wild. And you hear that ta 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 from the meter. Um, and then you go inside and you see the meter drop off and people have an experience. And I, you know, I've seen a range of, ex- range of experiences and I just ask them, What's, you know, what experience are you having? And people uh, will say, the most common thing is people say, I feel calmer. And, and we'll talk about the, the mechanics of that or why that happens. But we've had people with, um, Tourette's stop, you know, um, 
having that issue. We've had kids, I've had a lot of autistic kids at the conference who are pretty heavily stimming, like toe walking, doing the hand flapping and all that. I've had some of those kids, they walk in and then sometimes they, they kind of peek their head in and they go, what the heck is this? And they go back out and then they go back in there trying to see like contrast. And then they stay inside and then they're just little, like some of these kids have literally just lay on the ground and they go to sleep. And it's remarkable to see this. These kids calm down immediately. You see the parents calm down. So this is really impacting everyone. And we're trying to give people a, a felt experience. So even if you, if you, you know, you, you read research on both sides of this issue, because there's a lot of industry funded research that tries to kind of um, merchant of doubt this issue or tobacco tactic the issue. But it's pretty clear that we've got something going on here. And, and we actually know the mechanics. Dr. Martin Paul was talking about that at the conference. So, um, yeah, so what doctor, I guess I'll get into the mechanics a little bit. And um, so what Dr. Paul says, um, you know, well, basically that the, um, well, before we get into the, basically the number one risk factor genetically for autism is calcium channel signaling. And I think maybe, and we'll get into that a little bit, maybe after our. Okay. You know, we're going to take a short break right here, but when we come back, we will talk about these. I know that the Dr. Paul study and the calcium channel aspect is very, very important. So um, we're, you're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. Stay with us. We will be right back. Have you ever wondered why some children recover from their symptoms of autism while others never seem to get any better? After 13 years of research, Karen Thomas has recovered her own son from his symptoms of autism naturally. She now shares how she did it with you in her free webinar so that you can have the right resources and knowledge to help your child. The definition of recovery is to regain health. Karen offers this to you in four stages. Healing the gut, natural heavy metal detoxification, balancing the co-infections of autism, brain support, and repair. Register now for this free webinar to help you know what you can do to help your child to sleep better, be more calm, improve focus, and reach their fullest potential to live a happy, healthy life. Go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. Empowering parents with the resources to naturally recover autism from a mom who's Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and we are coming to you live from Bold Brave Media. And uh, today we are talking about electromagnetic magnetic field radiation or electromagnetic field pollution and the effects it has on your health and the health of your child with autism. And um, I have created a page for you so that anything we talk about, you can get the links for it, naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 31, just the numbers 31. And uh, so you can, if you're driving or on your morning run, you can, uh, you can go and, uh, and, and re-listen and get the links for that for some of the things that we'll get into. Before the break, we talked about, um, there's a study with Dr. Paul and um, the risk of calcium uh, channels being affected. So, um, Peter, would you discuss the, that a little bit further? I know it's a really, really important topic um, about these calcium channels being affected by Wi-Fi and electromagnetic field. Yeah. So if you, um, you know, so everyone used to think that, you know, autism was 100% genetic, but we had a twin study and we know it's only about 38% genetic. Uh, and on, av on average, it's 38% genetic. There are some 100% genetic cases. There are some cases with no genetic variations that are known in, in, in a whole environmental load. So on average, the environmental load is about 62%. 
in that time frame, 2013 or whatever, when that study was done. And when you look at the cluster of the genetics, now we used to think, hey, maybe we're just going to find one gene. And of course, in Timothy's syndrome, there is one gene. It's a calcium channel mutation. But in most of these cases, it's not a single gene mutation. Um, there, there are over a thousand genes that are now risk factors for autism, which is really overwhelming. But the largest cluster of them are in the are all along the calcium channel pathway. And so, um, what the calcium channels do? So, so you probably want to know what does a calcium channel do? It's not about the signaling. So imagine if you have a it's a, it's a channel that goes in and out of the cell membrane, most dense in the neurons and in the heart. And this channel, when it's opened, allows calcium to go, calcium ions to go into the cell. So it's a calcium channel, allows ions to go in. Um, and normally, <clears throat> pardon me, the inside of the cell is very void of calcium. So it's kind of like you think of it being like a dark room. And when a calcium ion comes in, it's like a spark and it lights things up in that way. You think it basically, the more calcium that's inside the cell, the more excited the cell gets, which means the more likely the cell will be to fire. Okay. So it's, and, and so, you know, you don't certainly don't want a cell never firing. You don't want a cell firing all the time. You're tuning it. you like, our, like our, our nervous system is, and our brains are like stringed instruments and they can be high strung or low strung. And you know, people like that. Uh, you'll, you'll see in autism that there's a, uh, an imbalance in, in, in excitation and inhibition. And that's pretty commonly um, agreed upon among scientists. But, and what people, although what people focus on, they tend to focus on adding the inhibition. Oh, we need these kids to have more inhibition. But actually, the calcium channel, the, the calcium channel is about excitation. So really the issue is about a genetic susceptibility to maybe get a little bit more excited and an environmental factor that is interfering with that channel. So, um, Dr. Paul found that there was plenty of research going back decades showing um, that the calcium channels, which are opened and closed by voltage, could be impacted by electromagnetic fields and wireless signals. And that makes a lot of sense, right? So, um, <clears throat> so basically, these, so instead of another cell kind of exciting or a sensory experience exciting the cell, as it would happen in, in the normal world, you're getting an artificial excitation. Um, you know, almost like somebody, you know, giving, giving your child coffee randomly, you know, as you walk by a Wi-Fi or a cell tower or something. And that excitation, you know, takes a little time to work off. And so the, the cells, the, the calcium gets into the cells and the body gets kind of excited. And you know that you've seen the, you've seen these kids have these experiences. And as an adult, we've all been a little bit, you know, overexcited and it takes a little bit of time to kind of calm that down. And it's, and what's interesting is it's a combination of factors. So it's not just the EMS, but there's other things that tune up and down the calcium channels. So a magnesium can downregulate calcium channels, so they don't, so your body doesn't get so excited. Um, but heavy metals, which you talked about, can up can do the opposite, can detune them, and, and also infections. So the body has this natural mechanism of kind of um, tuning up the nervous system and dialing it up, so that when it's in this high-tuned state, it, it really is saying, basically saying. Something important is going on. Don't miss a thing, right? I don't want you to miss a single thing that's an important reward or is a fear or there's some fight or flight mode, something important going on. Um, but the problem is that state is exhausting and burns a lot of energy, and we're not designed to be in that state constantly. And so it triggers not just on the cellular level, kind of really being in cell danger mode all the time, which Bob Navio has talked about with autism, but, you know, at a, at a higher level, having your autonomic nervous system in balance. And when your autonomic nervous system is imbalanced, 
you are not, you know, in fight or flight mode, it's not time to clean up. Uh, you're burning, you're just burning through all kinds of energy and it's not time to, you know, heal or it's not time to create a new, you know, brain cell or do new links or neuron connections because it's, you're just fighting for your life. So the key element here is, you know, to, to get into these safe conditions so you're not having the exposure and calm the nervous system down to a state that's sustainable and is about healing and development and growth. And so, and so, and what's interesting too, is this links into the DNA damage you talked about too. So Dr. Paul will say these ions will get into the cell and then they create, um, they elevate different things. So a little bit, a little bit of a spark is good, but essentially too much is excitotoxicity and you have inflammation and elevated free radical damage. And you can even have DNA damage. So that's why it's very plausible and, and actually known that um, this sort of radiation can cause DNA damage, which is we talked about. Now, this is the, the tricky part with recovering is if you've had a de novo mutation, if you've got a mutation in some sort of gene, especially if it's the calcium channel gene, that's going to be really hard to recover from, right? So that's the first thing we want to really, you know, reverse the autism epidemic. One of the first things we have to focus on is preventing the de novo mutations. Because a lot of the other stuff, as we know, uh, can be you know rolled back and and, and repaired. So, and so I know that, that I know that children are are just about um, twice as susceptible um, as adults are to all of the EMF pollution as well. Their, exactly. Their just cells. exactly, just from size alone. Well, there's a couple of things going on there. Number one, size alone. Um, if you have a, a cell phone next to a child's head, it's going to go more through the child's head as opposed to a, an adult. And you're, inter you're interfering with different windows of growth, right? So you can be interfering. Number one, you can breach wireless radiation, can breach the blood-brain barrier. And that's the same mechanism as the gut as well. Um, and, uh, and then you can be disrupting hormones, growth hormones, testosterone, all this sort of stuff. So... Um, yeah, so you with an adult, when you've, when you've got an adult, if you've got an adult that has this exposure, what usually happens is they become electro electrosensitive or electrohypersensitive. And that's what basically happened to me. Um, you know, so if I had had that exposure when I was a child, I would be, you know, heavily, probably heavily on the spectrum. Um, and but I grew up being kind of a sensitive adult, but, you know, definitely functional adult. Um, so I think it's really the difference between we have a lot of adults. Um, having the same experience as the kids, they're, they're being influenced by the same environmental factors, um, but they've got some, a little bit more mass, a little bit more surface area and volume, and then their, their pathways development, well-developed. So there's a little bit more safety, but they're still stressed, so they're not as overloaded. Right. And I always say the leaf doesn't fall too far from the tree. We notice that, you know, a lot of parents of children with autism, they'll have a lot of sensitivities, or maybe some infections, some health issues, uh, you know, and, and have these issues of, you know, of, of anxiety or sleep disruption. And they might not know why or they may know why, but uh, but that that there's tend to be some similarity. So I would say, you know, you know, work with yourself as well as your child. We're going to take a short break right here. Please stay with us. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. We will be right. Hi there and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I am your host, Karen Thomas, and we are coming to you live from Bold Brave Media and TuneIn Radio. Today we are talking about electromagnetic field pollution and the effects on your health and your family's 
health, including your child with autism. We have a uh, specialist in this field, uh, Peter Sullivan, with us here today, and I have created a page for any links that we may discuss at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 31, the number's 31, uh, for you to, to look at after the show as well. Before this last break, we were talking a little bit about some of the, the pieces of uh, the ways it can symptoms you might notice there's of course issues of anxiousness and um, you might see increased stimming sleep disruption is also a big one with wi-fi and and then peter you mentioned um, things like hormones and i know it affects the gut and the gut is a big big deal because the gut controls the brain and the immune system but the gut's a big deal with autism so um, if you just give a little bit of background on your knowledge about how the um, the emfs and the wi-fi are affecting kind of the gut and the hormone relation as well you know, that's probably, well, I'll, I'll say the, the, the most common symptoms are, um, for all this, is sleep disruption, um, ear ringing. So if you're a parent and you're getting sleep disruption, that could be driven by the wireless. Um, tinnitus or ear ringing is a big factor. Anxiety, memory loss, hem, you know, um, headaches are another are a big factor. And we talked about sperm damage a little bit. Now, on the gut, I, I would say that I'm not super up on the science. I'm more on the, having the experience. Some of the doctors I've worked with, like Dr. Yelter, as, who was fairly electrosensitive, said um, that there were certain places that she could she could eat chocolate in a certain locations, but not in other locations. So if she was in a low EMF environment, she could eat some things, a little bit of chocolate or so forth, and she'd be fine. And if she was in a high EMF environment, like she just couldn't do it. So it's one of the things, it's kind of a total load. So it's kind of a something's got to give around inflammation and, and all these factors. So I find a lot of the things that people are doing now are people are really clean. People know something's wrong. And um, I would say, don't just focus on your child, focus on the whole family. Um, and actually, I really do like to start with, I think it might be even most efficient to start with EMF reduction because you're not even touching the child. There's nothing going on. You're not dealing with food or any food addictions or screen addictions or anything. And we tend to start with like the sleep environment at night, basically. And so if the child can sleep well, um, and then that, that gut, that the vagus nerve can calm down, everything can kind of calm down and repair, that's a key element. So, so what Dr. Klinghart gets into um, with the gut and is, and I haven't seen the exact research on this, but he's basically saying that just like a, a EMF signal, a wireless signal can put an individual cell into cell danger mode, um, you know, you can have that same impact. These, some of these signals like magnetic fields go right through your body like an MRI. So they can go deep into your gut and they can impact your, um, the flora in your gut. And so if that flora is not feeling safe, it can go into, you know, like a cell danger mode and kind of release toxins in your gut. And then your gut starts feeling, my experience has been that I would feel anxious in certain situations in around the gut. And, and then of course, and that can combine with all these other food things going on. If you've got inflammation going on or other things going on, and then that runs up the vagal nerve and you're kind of then fires the alarm off for more of a system wide alarm, right? So you can have your body can get into fight or flight mode from kind of, you know, you see a, 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 a lion chasing you from the outside, from a sensory experience, you can go, whoops, there's a threat coming at me. Or you can have something in your body like a pain or a, this, what we just talked about coming in from the inside and then, you know, ringing the alarm bell. And as we said, the alarm bell is not supposed to go off constantly. We need those alarm bells to go off, but we need to be able to kind of fix them and address them and, and kind of manage all these loads. And it's been really hard for people to understand that this invisible factor 
is a big load and a big constant load on the nervous system. I know stressor meters are are used to uh, to detect things in the home too, like or, or how strong certain Wi-Fi signals are and how much they might be affecting you. Um, so um, that that can be. Is that something that you think is a good a good uh, a good instrument to have at home to to check your 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 devices? I know refrigerators are huge, but um, you know anything just to see what your home's like. Yeah, so EMF is kind of like toxins. It's not just one thing. And we really tell people they need to check four things. So they need to check. I started by checking magnetic fields, which would be measured by like a Gauss meter, um, and then electric fields. So a magnetic field is like a magnet or like the Earth's magnetic field. A, an electric field is like an invisible lightning bolt. So it's electrons trying to go to ground. And, um, and then there's this concept of, you know, of course, wireless radiation, which is which you could think of as light at a frequency below that we what we can see. So you could it would be kind of a harsh flickering light to be rapidly flickering um, at a frequency below what we can see. And, uh, and then there's what we call dirty electricity, which is what the stepser filter measures. And that will measure noise on the electric, the electric, the AC alternating current in your home. So ideally, you have a nice, smooth 60 hertz sine wave. It would look like the wave in an ocean going back and forth 60 times a second. Um, but when you have dirty electricity, you have these little noises and spikes. And um, <clears throat> you will probably, most people have been in places with dirty electricity. So if you've been in a home that, if you hear the lights buzzing, like fluorescent lights buzzing, or the refrigerator sounds kind of harsh, and you know everybody on the spectrum has a really sensitive ears. Um, when you go into it, you may not like the fan on your computer, the noise. There's certain things you're, you're thinking maybe that the noise is driving you crazy, but actually it's not just the noise. It's I would say that uh, EMF is part of the sensory environment. So you can feel it just like you can feel, you know, have these other sensory experiences, and most people can feel it. And it's going right through your body and it has, you know, a dramatic impact on your emotions and everything. So, so we do need to measure, I think, four different things as a, as a very, as a baseline. And I've got on my website, clearlightventures.com, I've got a, a little part on meters and two meters that we're recommending. Um, one that can measure magnetic fields and magnetic fields in a dirty electricity range. So like, yeah, 2000 Hertz to hundred thousand kilohertz. And then it can measure electric fields. And then we have a separate meter that measures wireless. And so I'm trying to simplify this experience uh, that building biologists will do so that parents can do it on their own um, and, and help doctors and just try to keep making something complex a little bit easier for everybody. Right. Simplifying and knowing what to do in your home and, and yeah, to educate uh, even practitioners so that they know more as well. We need to take a short break right here. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. And uh, please stay with us. We will be right back. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and we are coming to you live from Bold Brave Media. Today, we are talking about electromagnetic field pollution or radiation and how it affects your health. And it affects the, the health of the entire family, and it definitely can be something that can prevent you from getting optimum results with autism recovery, which is, again, to regain health. So we want to do whatever we can to support our kids and ourselves and uh, we have uh, Peter Sullivan, an expert here with us today, who, um, Peter, would you talk a little bit about things that parents uh, can do in their homes 
uh, ways that you can, um, you know, know to protect uh, your your children and your yourselves uh, from your home environment. And then I know that there are, you know, there are cell chips for phones, et cetera. Um, so can you give us some some background on things that you um, you think are, are beneficial? Sure. I, you know, like you, I had great results, you know, focusing on the traditional biomedical approaches with like gut and detox and infections and that sort of and supplementation. And, um, and, but, you know, going back and seeing, seeing the problem from a different perspective, I would actually, if I was going to do it again, I wouldn't start directly with that work. Even I would start with having a safe home environment really. So, um, I, I had several problems in my home, basically. So we had problems with air quality. We just had we had some mold mold going on, and of course, pollution is you know air pollution is one of the largest, probably the most credible established risk factor for environmental factor uh, in autism. There's large studies from Harvard with like 100,000 people or something, and then all this correlation near a freeway. Um, but as Dr. Paul would say, um, you know we've had bad air pollution in the past. We haven't had so much autism. But it's still worth cleaning up, and and because it's kind of a cofactor. So um, air pollution, air quality. I think I think you start with the invisible things are the things that we 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 you know don't pay attention to. So I would definitely start with EMF, like constant sources, constant sources of wireless exposure, especially the sources at night. So um, so wireless at night. So we're looking at basically a baby monitor. If you have a baby monitor, I would turn that off or move it away. So it's kind of off and away is the free protocol. You either turn it off or you create more distance and space, ideally, you know, farther away or off. Off, I think, is obviously ideal. So baby monitor would be a constant source of exposure, especially at night. Um, if you have a cordless phone base station, so if you still have a cordless phone at home, if you haven't switched just to just mobile, the base station, the one that usually has the lamp, the, um, answering machine on it or whatever, is like a little cell tower in your house, and it's quite a large emitter. So turning that off minimally at night, if not switching to a, a, LAN or a formal landline that's not uh, wireless, um, and then Wi-Fi. So turning that again off at night or switching to eco Wi-Fi, which, which can allow you to have lower exposure for the beaconing frequency. And, um, uh, and then what some parents will do, so those are the constant wireless exposures, and of course, you know, I'm forgetting the most basic thing that most people commonly do is they'll commonly sleep with their cell phone next to them, trying to use it as an alarm, and it's going off all night. So their air, their, so their phone should be in airplane mode with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth off, ideally even out of the bedroom. I, I used it as an alarm this morning, but I had it in the room next to me charging, and everything was still off. And then people, too, are also doing fitness trackers, and some of the fitness trackers, like the Fitbit, uh, have a constant Bluetooth exposure very close to your body. So those would be the things that I would start with from an EMF perspective, um, from a wireless perspective. I would also even look at, you know, moving, creating a little bit of space around the bed. Make sure you don't have any um, uh, LED clocks or big magnetic field. Uh, even a, a light next to the bed, when it's even turned off, can be a big electric field. And the... Uh, the wiring around the outlets can have a, uh, a big field effect with dirty electricity. So sometimes you can play around with turning the circuit breaker for that bedroom off at night and see if you sleep uh, better. And try that for, you know, two-week period. That's a, a protocol Dr. Yelter came up with called the calming protocol. And that's referenced on our website. So that's a free protocol. Everybody can try. The majority of people will find some impact. It's not going to fix all EMF problems, but it'll give you a, it'll give you a ballpark to, to to let you understand how much this impacts your children. I, I've had some kids 
Um, most kids, you know, over a two-week period, we'll, we'll see some steady improvements. We do see some rapid overnight improvements. We've seen some kids dramatically improve overnight. We had the nonverbal child speak a full sentence after three days of this protocol. Um, so, as I've said, worth a try. So, so wireless is a great place to start. Um, uh, certainly air quality um, because of Dr. Faber's study. I mean, Dr. Faber found that total load of toxins was related to the depth of the depth of the child on the, on the autism spectrum. And then when just when he was doing just air filtration at night, creating basically a clean room from an air quality perspective, the um, children detoxed just from that and their, their toxin levels decreased and their symptomology improved. They, you know, they kind of, they went off the spectrum and that's not even, that's not even touching the child with anything biomedical. So those, both of those strategies are really interesting, you know, reducing EMF and wireless and then improving air quality. And certainly I would also do, um, one of the other factors that's changed dramatically recently is light quality. So there's been more screen time, people getting blue light and flickering screens in front of them. And um, that blue light is stimulatory for the nervous system. We talked about it's gonna tune your nervous system to be more excited, which is something we talked about as being a key issue here. We don't want that overexcitation. Um, so uh, yeah, so reducing the screen time, especially before bed, if you've got something like night shift or these programs that kind of dim the blue light, you can also go around with, there's different meters you can get on your phone. I'm forgetting the name of it, but it's referenced, it's referenced in my talk, Autism in Your Home. So if you wanna go into this more deeply and make a nice pass at your home, I have a talk that I've given at multiple conferences called Autism in Your Home. And that is a quick pass through about nine different areas. I talk about air quality, water quality, lighting, screen time, food, wireless, EMS, personal care and household products, and herbicides and pesticides. And we just have one, one slide on each of those, giving you some quick tips, so kind of 80-20 rule. Uh, and even, you know, mold, and mold is a big air quality issue. Um, one of the doctors who deals with electrosensitive adults uh, says that a lot of people who, who become electrosensitive also have had mold exposure. And she's saying, I haven't seen the study yet. She says she has a study showing that mold, mold mycotoxins can damage the voltage-gated calcium channels, which we already talked about. So if you hear yeah. somebody talk, yeah, exactly. My uh, my my listeners are uh, if, if they've been with me there they're very very aware I am very big on the mold issue the mold biotoxin issue and I have uh, several interviews um, that uh, where we've talked to Dr. Deshore and I'll link to them on uh, the page I create for this episode as well um, for uh, people to make sure that parents know about the mold biotoxin issue because it is a big big deal and can definitely be one of the reasons um, why. Um, why our kids don't get better and mold can trigger pans which is another you know internal in, in the infection process that then it, it, the immune system attacks the brain so it's kind of this domino effect so you got to make sure you know about all of the pieces as well so I'm, I'm glad that you did mention that yes yeah no it is it's a tricky topic I mean I think you um, you know a lot of people want to just say that autism is one environmental factor and they want to just point at one thing and unfortunately that anyway if we've gone through it like you and I have it is, it's like a gang, it's a domino effect. It's like a, a total load that, that Patty Lemer talks about or Martha Herbert talks about. It's, it's more like a gang tackle. By the time you see the symptoms, you've got about five people on you. You've got about five, maybe 10 things going on or you've got multiple systems failing and you really have to systematically clean things up. You know, it, it, 
if you if you if you do one thing and the child recovers, that's that's awesome. That's fantastic. But most people are going to have to to really you know do the work and really clean things up more systematically. And I hope um, and I hope having that menu and kind of a checklist of areas to do and making it easier for people lowers the barriers for people to do this because it is again the parents are in a state of overload. I was I was totally overloaded, both you know physically and just emotionally with this whole thing and. So my job is just like it was when I was a software designer, my job is to take technical things and make them as simple as possible. I'm trying to take that same skill and, and make this process as easy as possible. Matter of fact, I, I would, one of my, my role models is actually Marie Kondi, the woman who does the magic power of tidying up because she's just like you and I, she's really big on the sequence. So you have to do all of these things, but you want to do the things that give you the most return on investment early. What's the easiest thing I can do that gives me the most return on investment. And that's why I think that I really kind of try to focus on the sequence. And it's going to be different for different people in different environments. But I think in general, it's create a safe environment first, which is something that's very non-intuitive. I would not have done that in the past. I would have, so usually you jump right, right and focus on the child. So I would create a safe environment for the whole family and then calm the nervous systems of everybody in the family. So really getting everybody sleeping well, um, and get that, that nervous system dialed down. One of the, one of the new things we just found is these Vox Life socks at the last couple autism conferences, VOXX Life, and they help balance the limbic brain. They're just $30 pair of socks or a pair of insoles that kids can wear and they immediately change things. My, I, I saw an EEG of me before and after. My EEG improved 48% putting on these socks and it, it's really remarkable. So that's been my, that's been a tip that I think is great for calming the nervous system. So be safe, then feel safe. A lot of these kids are in a state almost like, like a soldier in post-traumatic stress. It's almost like they're in environmental stress. So just you know, we know it sometimes it takes a while to calm down after a sensory exposure or so forth. It's the same situation. We need to be, be safe, calm environment, um, you know, not, just, not just from the, uh, the sensory perspective, but actually from the environmental health perspective. And, um, and then the nervous system has to really dial down into this, into the right gear for healing and detox and all that stuff. Um, and then, and then I think when, then when you apply all the biomedical stuff we know, and then the behavioral therapies and all that stuff, I think that's, I think that's, that's the magic sequence. I, I'm willing to be proven wrong on that, but I, that's the sequence I would do again for myself, um, in my situation. Right. Yeah. I mean, I basically all of these things are are really vital. As you mentioned, it's not just one thing that, that triggers genetic susceptibilities, the environmental aspects that we have that surround us. There's so many of them these days and um, between mold or Lyme's disease, glyphosate in our foods, um, you know, just the, the toxins, aluminum in our, our and mercury in our atmosphere. It's just there's so much in, involved that uh, it's important to, like I said, calm the nervous system down. I know as a, as a craniosacral therapist, as my background, background in a, the occiput, which is the bone of the back of the head, get, is very, very easily um, destabilized. And so, and it's one of the most subluxated bones in birth. And when that happens, it will pinch on the vagus nerve and the va- one of the vagus, the vagus nerve branches, they could go to, to digestion. So you can have a colicky baby or a child with digestive issues. And it has a lot to do with anxiety um, symptoms, like they're anxious all the time because the vagus nerve is in a hyper state. So, um, so there's, you know, things that you can do there, but 
but uh, the biomedical, you've got to you've got to clean up. Some people think that casein free and gluten free is enough, or just eating organic. But you've got to know that you've got to take out those processed carbohydrates and the sugars that are feeding the candida and the pathogenic bacteria in the gut. I mean, there's you've got to. That's why I say, you know all of these things that you're talking about are key, like safe environment. Get rid of what you can in your home that might be triggering more problems, and having your home tested for mold. And I'll link to the the mold podcast so people can um, get that that uh, the link for what they need to to be able to to purchase. It's pretty simple, and then you can do a test in your home to find out if there is mold in your home. Because a lot of people, some sometimes people will say this is a new home. I don't have any mold in here, and then they'll do a test and they'll find out there's total mold exposure because it's in the wall and they can't see it. And there was a leak maybe when the house was being built, or once upon a time when the roof leaked a long time ago, but they just didn't realize it was there were living with it and. And so um, then you've, you know, got to run through, um, you know, clearing all of these things out of the body um, and, you know, and getting all these toxins out of the way, basically, so the, the body can innately go back to healing itself and, and taking care of itself, because we don't want to have to be on tons of supplements forever. But we're just trying to, to support our system while it's weak, build it back up, and then let it do its own job. But first, you got to get all of these toxins out of the way and do the best that we can in the in the world that we live in because planet Earth has so many toxins in it. Um, so, you know, I exactly it, to me, it's a state of overload. And I again, like you, we were talking about nuca therapy. Or, I'm sorry, cranial sacral therapy. I, I went to cranial sacral last night, actually. And I got great, great results with um, cranial sacral therapy and uh, NUCA therapy, which aligns the atlas bone. Um, so that upper cervical uh, chiropractic NUCA was a great, you know, has worked really well. As, as you said, pinging, pinging on the vagus nerve, it is causing distress. So it, to me, it's, the body's in a state of overload. It's got more going on than it can deal with. It's like a, a business with, that's in debt, right, or a household in debt. So how do we start lightening the load? as much as possible. And there are many things, anything that reduces stress can, you know, can get us back to a tipping point to a place where we can manage it. But um, to me, it's really a, it's, it's a imbalance an overload of, if I say, if you, if you really want to narrow it down, because when you say it's everything, it's just overwhelming to people. So I like to think of it as a overload of excitation. And so any factors that are excitatory should be dialed down. So we talked about, so you talked about glyphosate. So I think, Environmentally, the two things that have, I think, risen the most have probably been glyphosate and wireless. And then there's been some discussion about subluxation at birth with some of the, 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 the misalignment issues as well. That could be a factor. So, um, so I think glyphosate and wireless would be my top two. I've had people get really good results, friends get good results, Katie Reed with the glutamate diet, which is excitatory. It also, it lets um, calcium ions into another receptor called the NMDA receptor. It's a glutamate receptor. So you can have, you know, if you can have, you know, calcium coming in, not just from the voltage gated calcium channels, but from glutamate receptors. And those are involved in reward and addiction and smoking and, it, it, and, and chemicals can impact those as well. So you can see how you can have this net effect, net effect of factors that causes too much excitation and, the calcium channels are what people don't realize is that there's a great paper that Martin Paul found, and I'm not sure it's even on the web anymore, but it basically said calcium channels are really central to autism. And if you look at it, they are central to, uh, we talked about the genetics and the calcium channels, but they're central to brain development. They're, they're um, related to oxidative stress, 
sensory issues of dialing the nervous system into that heightened state. Um, they're uh, a factor in inflammation. They're a factor in the blood-brain barrier and the gut barrier uh, and the immune system. So if you, they're involved in, that's how T cells connect to different immune th things and cancer and everything. So if you really understand how the calcium channels work, and I've got slides on this, trying to show one slide. Um, I've got one called intercellular calcium on some of my slide decks on, on one called autism, uh, simplifying autism, removing barriers and uh, autism. Another talk called uh, simplifying autism improvement and recovery. You can find those on my website as well. And you can kind of step through these things, trying to tie it all together for people, because again, this whole thing is too complicated and we need to just keep making it simple. Right. I, I, I created a, um, a step-by-step program. Just a, it's only been out about a little over two years, and it's already gone into over 40 countries of parents around the world who are able to follow it from where they live. Um, and that's that's what I wanted to do is, is take all of the research, the time and the money I spent on um, working hard to find what needed to happen to, to create autism recovery when I was on my own search for my son. And so once I figured it out, that's what I wanted to do is be able to put it in that sequence that you talk about to share it with other families. So uh, I'll also link to that at the page that I link for this show um, on naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash. 31. You find the links for the show. Uh, we need to take a short break right here. Please. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. Today we are talking about elect electromagnetic field pollution, and we have Peter Sullivan with us, who is a an expert in this field. And I know that we've given a lot of information, and you might be thinking, okay, I turn off my Wi-Fi in my home, and then what else can I do? And I'll link to a couple things on um, the page that I created for this show, like I said, at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 31. Um, but, you know, we talked about uh, glyphosate in the food, glutamate, of course, you're aware of monosodium glutamate and aspartame, which is the um, artificial sweetener. Those are those are excitotoxins. That's their, their term. And they're just like what we're talking about. The Wi-Fi does you make sure your diet's clean as well. But um, Peter, you were talking about there are other things at home, maybe some simple steps that parents could follow to uh, know like how to measure and like what do I do first for the, the cleaning up of the home sequence for this this whole electromagnetic field uh, pollution uh, issue. Now, as we, I think what I tell parents uh, in the, if you want to follow up on this, because it can be complex, there's a lot of questions. There's a, a Facebook group we have. We have over 2,000 parents now in a group called Autism and EMS. And I'm trying to kind of come up with a frequently asked questions and, and sequences for parents. And basically what we tell you to do is, you know, first do like an ATEC score or some sort of baseline measurement to see where your child is on the spectrum or have some sort of biomedical measurement, whatever you've got. And then start doing the free and easy stuff. So start, um, you know, do this Dr. Yelter's calming protocol. And so you could basically turn off some of these things at night and see how your child, you know, see how it works for your child and the rest of your family. And then, um, and then, but some of these things are quite complex. And so, you know, if you turn off your Wi-Fi and but your husband is working late at night, or you know, and sometimes his parents are fighting about this. Or I want to turn the Wi-Fi off, and I, you know, the other person thinks it's ridiculous. So these are pretty complex issues. And some more, yeah, more I've heard that argument. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I literally did a, I did a, uh, a video called A Message to Dads about wireless, and it's on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. Uh, so I have my website. I have a Facebook group called Autism Media Math. Um, 
Clearlight Ventures has a Facebook page and a website, again, clearlightventures.com. So um, what else? But yeah, so we're gonna keep trying to make this easier. I'm in the process of coming up with protocols for parents. Right now you can do the measurement and I have a little measurement form that you can write down your ATEC score, your, you know, you can do your ATEC score, your date and magnetic fields and then make some changes and then measure it again. We have some meters that we've been recommending and even when we've been selling them at autism conferences um, and, and come, trying to keep that protocol simple, trying to keep the meters as cheap as cheap, but as good as possible. And I'm, you know, working with um, um, Dr. Herbert on a long-term protocol to have like a database so you can store and track this and that we can potentially have, you know, a real good study that shows, you know, um, you know, over hundreds or thousands of people you know, where this is going and what parts of these magnetic fields have the most impact. Hopefully we'll find out maybe that dirty electrical noise in this specific frequency is the biggest thing and that's what we'll start with. But we need a little bit more data on that first. So I'm working on that, working with Martha Herbert at Harvard on that. I um, just started working with some folks at Stanford on a study that's, that's been studying toxins and, and autism and non-autistic uh, neural cells with different toxic exposures. So we're going to try to introduce some of these to that as well. So I think we've got a good plan. We're working towards safe technology as well and safer versions of wireless. But um, right now it's kind of an emergency. We need parents to start turning things off and creating some space around their kids and family. And like you mentioned, as soon as you do that and you see start within a few days, you might see some results, even if they're subtle, look for them. And then once you realize, yes, this is a factor that is, that's affecting my family and my child, that you realize the, the, you know, the strength behind this and how important it is. We, uh, we're done for today. We're out of time. But uh, thank you so much, Peter, for being here with us today. I greatly appreciate your help. Very, very important topic for parents to know about. And um, you're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. And please uh, join us again next week. I look forward to seeing you soon and giving you more natural resources to help your family and your child get better from their symptoms of autism. Have a great